But look at Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Look at, look at verse 1. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. What a scene would that have been to see the angel come down and there was a great earthquake and that stone was rolled over and there's an angel sitting on that stone. Hey, that stone wasn't rolled over so Jesus Christ could get out. That stone was rolled out over so you could see in and see Jesus Christ wasn't there. That's why that stone was rolled. And there was an angel and his countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. What a scene that must have been. Verse 4. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and become as dead men. Those are the men that Pilate had sent there to seal the tomb so nobody could steal the body of Jesus Christ. It says that they, they fainted. They couldn't take it. They couldn't stand the sight of it. They fainted. They couldn't handle it. Verse 5. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for He is risen. As He said, come see the place where the Lord lay. He is risen. Amen. I'm going to give you five important facts about the resurrection this morning. Um, the resurrection is the most important thing that ever happened in the history of mankind. It's the most important thing that could happen to Christianity. Do you realize the greatest news the world ever received came out of a graveyard? <laughs> the greatest news the world ever received came out of the graveyard. And the news was, He is not here, He's risen. <laughs> he's not here, He's not in the grave. He's alive forevermore. You know, the biblical Christianity, biblical Christianity, is the only faith that gives you hope at a graveside. Uh, it's amazing to be, to, to be around a Christian funeral and to see the joy. <laughs> I've done a Christian funeral up in, uh, up, in, uh, up in Coleman area at Brown Ranch Cemetery Church. And after we got through laying this dearly, dear saint to, to in the grave, her whole family got around the piano and started singing songs and singing hymns and were laughing and giggling. And, and it was just a sight to behold. They had joy. They knew they were going to see their loved one again. And the reason why they knew they were going to see their loved one again is because Jesus Christ came up from the grave and gave us that great hope. The resurrection is the most important thing whenever, uh, and I encourage you, I've said this multiple times lately, I encourage you to go see that movie, Christ, Case for Christ. The Case for Christ is a true story. It's out in the movies right now. And eventually it'll be on DVD. It's called The Case for Christ. It's a true story of Lee Strobel. He was an atheist. His wife became a Christian. He was the legal editor for the Chicago Tribune. And he hated his wife when she became a Christian. He couldn't believe she became a Christian. She fell for it, as his words. And he was a, he was a devout atheist. He says, I'm going to prove to you that Christianity is wrong. I'm going to prove to you this all this stuff's fake. Because she kept telling him, I, I have something in my heart. There's so, I can't explain to you, honey. But I, you know, I, I just can't explain to you how great this is. And he didn't believe it. He won't have Nothing to do with it. So he went and talked to an atheist friend of his, and they got this, they decided this one truth. It all hinges on the resurrection. It all hinges, your faith in Jesus Christ all hinges on the resurrection. 
And from that point on, he set out on a two-year course to try to disprove the resurrection. He flew all over the country and on his own, with his own money, flying over trying to talk to these leading scientists, these leading doctors, these leading archaeologists. And you know what? He came to the conclusion when he got all the evidence and he made a board and he put all the evidence on the board and he, he sat back and he looked at that at the very end. You know what he said? It really happened. Amen. He said, I'm a journalist and it really happened. And that converted him to receiving Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. He's a great man of, of God, and that's a true story. But it all hinges on the resurrection. I'm going to give you five important facts about the resurrection. Turn to Romans chapter 1. Let's look at the first one, Romans chapter 1. I'm going to give you five of these. And there's more than five, but I'm going to give you five for time's sake. This resurrection is very important. I encourage you, if you have a Bible, to open it, read it. Don't take my word. Read it for yourself. Uh, that's why we hold out scripture signs on the corners at the courthouses because we believe that the Word of God is powerful and sharper than two, any two-edged sword. We believe it's alive. We believe when you read that Word of God, it's reading you. It works. The Holy Spirit uses it. I'm turning to Romans chapter 1, verse 3. Romans chapter 1, verse 3. The first, the first important fact about the resurrection is it proves the deity of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 4. Look at verse, uh, actually look at verse 3. Concerning His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power. How did God declare He was the Son of God? How did God declare that Jesus Christ was His Son? He was manifest, God manifest in the flesh. How did God declare that? According to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. That resurrection, when Jesus Christ came up from that grave to live forevermore, that proved to you that He was the Son of God. That's what that proof does. When Jesus Christ walked on this earth and He said, I will give unto you eternal life. I will give unto you eternal life. Amen. And He came up from the grave to live forevermore. You know what that means? He can't give you eternal life. He has eternal life. That's how he proves he has eternal life. You know, the last words of Buddha, right before Buddha kicked over and died, his last words were, never forget it, decay is in all things. Never forget it, decay is in all things. And then he yielded up the ghost, and Buddha went into the grave. Well, the truth is, Buddha, decay is not in all things. It's not in Jesus Christ. He broke the rule. That's why the resurrection is so important to Christians. He proves that when I lay my loved one down in the grave, just like Jesus Christ came up, they're going to come up. When I go and take my last breath, just like Jesus Christ came out of the grave, I'm going to come out of the grave. That's the importance of the resurrection. There's a lot of false prophets out in the world that claim, claim to be manifested from God. There's a lot of false prophets that go through the world claiming to be that they're God's son, that they're the, the holy prophet of God, and that they're the son of God. But Jesus Christ is the only one to prove it by coming up from the grave. Amen. Guys, y'all don't get this. Either Jesus Christ was a Lord, a liar, or a lunatic. There's only one of those three. That's how he can, he's either a liar, he went through the world and he lied about everything, and he went and died. Or he's a lunatic. He really believed what he was saying, but it was all a lie. Or the third one, he was Lord, and he really was exactly what he said. See, he proved it. When he told, when he told Mary, he said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. I am the resurrection. 
He said in another part, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. When he said, that's a crazy man talking. You understand that? That's the way crazy men talk, unless they're really God. There was a guy that talked a lot like Jesus Christ, and he had a lot of followers. And he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rise again. I'm going to come up. And, and when he died, I'm going to rise again. And he died, and all his followers, they all gathered around him. And the first day came, and the second day came, and the third day came, and he's still laying there dead, and he's starting to rot. And the fifth day came, and he's starting to stink. And a week came, and a lot, a lot of his followers uh, went away. And two weeks came, and they're sitting around, and he's stinking up the whole place. And they decided, I guess we better go bury him. And they went and buried him. And he lost all his followers. You know why? He was a liar. <laughs> he didn't have eternal life. Jesus Christ said, I am the resurrection. I am eternal life. I will give you eternal life. And he proved that to be the fact by the resurrection from the dead. By the resurrection from the dead. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. Let's look at the second one. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Oh, friend, uh, if you can understand the importance of the resurrection... The, 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 the importance of the resurrection, when you're reading, in our Bible reading challenges, we're reading through the book of Acts, and I, I encourage y'all to read through the book of Acts. Notice as you read through the book of Acts, Paul is all the time, he's being questioned for the resurrection, the resurrection from the dead, the resurrection from the dead, the resurrection from the dead. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They're trying to kill him because he's preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not enough that Jesus Christ walked around in this world and healed people and walked on water and did all these great things. Man, there's magicians that can do that. The devil's got power to do some signs. Guys, it's not enough that he did that. What it was is that he came up from the grave. (laughs) He came up, he died, and he rose again, never to die again. He has eternal life. You know, we're sitting on the street corner, and I like to street preach. And I know that's not very popular. You get out there, and you're holding up your voice like this, and you're street preaching. People don't like that. And, and I, when, we, when I, I go out street preaching, and I have a lot of y'all show up, I don't do that. Because I don't want to embarrass y'all. Because yeah, you know, there's, there's, Brother Keegan's, he's gone crazy. He's raising his voice up and he's preaching at the cars as they stop at the red light. Well, that's the way I was taught to street preach. And I, I didn't do any of that down in Hamilton. I, I respect Sister Linda and Brother Raymond. I didn't want to embarrass him. <laughs> like, uh, please shut up, Brother Keegan. But when we were in Brownwood, poor Sister Carolyn, she showed up out there. Now, Joker, me and Joker, we go way back. So he knows I'm half crazy. But Sister Carolyn, she's been uh, coming to this church for years and years and years. She's been with me from the very beginning. As a matter of fact, her and her husband's the one that brought me out here in a lot of ways. But whenever I, we were out there, I, I said, well, Carolyn, you know, you, you know I'm half crazy, so just hang on, you know. <laughs> so I put up my Bible in my mouth, and that's when I started preaching. Muhammad is dead. Buddha. Buddha is dead. Muhammad's in a grave. Buddha's in a grave, but Jesus Christ is alive forevermore. That's what I would preach, because that's the truth, and the world needs to hear it. They need to know there's a separation between all these religious fakers. They're all the same. There's more than one way to get to God. No, there's not. You've got to understand how God works. He only came through Jesus Christ. And I've already quoted to you, there's no other way to the Father but by me. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12. This is the second one you need to know. Why the, important, the, the importance of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? 
But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain and your faith is also vain. If Jesus Christ didn't come up from the grave, friends, we're in deep trouble. It's all hinging on the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're in deep trouble. We might as well shut this thing down and turn it into a honky-tonk. We're wasting our time. But I know that Jesus Christ rose from the grave. I know that. That's the importance of the resurrection. Uh, Our faith would be just like any other religion. Any other religion. Our faith would be just like any other religion if Jesus Christ didn't come up from the grave. It would just be like a Buddhist or a Muslim or Shintoism or you just pick whatever religion you can think of. We would be just like all the others. That's what separates us out is that our Savior, He came up from the grave. And you've got to understand what that means. Our Savior is different than any others. You say, Brother Keegan, what makes Jesus Christ so different than Muhammad or Confucius or Buddha? What makes Jesus Christ so different? Let me tell you something, friend. If you're here this morning, let me tell you something. What makes Jesus Christ so different is he can walk in those back doors right now. (laughs) Muhammad's not coming through those doors. Buddha's not coming through those doors. Confucius is not coming through those doors. But Jesus Christ could come walking through those doors right now. You understand what I'm saying to you when I said he rose from the grave? He rose from the grave 2,000 years ago and is alive today. He's alive today. Living. He's not dead somewhere. He is alive. He can hear you. He can walk in those doors. He can make a scene. He can show up in your bedroom. He can do anything he wants to do. He's alive. And if he's not alive, then we're just like all these other fakers. We might as well shut this thing down. Because it's all just a bunch of fake stuff. You get to study in religion, it's all sewer water. Until you come across Jesus Christ, it's a pure drink of water. There's a difference, guys. There's a big difference. Study them. I encourage you. Study Buddhism. Study uh, Islam. Study Confucius. Study Shintoism. Study any, whatever you want to do. I encourage you, study it. Read their works. Read it. I encourage you. You know what's going to happen? You're going to come right back to Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You're going to. Why? You will see the difference. The problem is these other people don't know about the truth of Jesus Christ. That's why it's so important for us to get the gospel out to the world, to get the truth out. Because once you've got the truth, everything else is an obvious lie. It obviously doesn't work. It's all about Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Look at verse uh, 15. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins. The third important fact about the resurrection is this. No resurrection, no sins forgiven. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, do you need your sins forgiven. Christian, you say, well, I had my sins forgiven, brother. Yeah, you had your sins forgiven, but you need your future sins forgiven too. Jesus Christ just didn't die for the sins you did right before, right up until you accepted him and then, then you're a perfect person until you go home to be in heaven. No way, Jose, it don't work that way. 
Amen. You accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and he, he cleanses you of all your sins in the past, and he's going to cleanse you of all your sins in the future. And those are the ones I'm worried about. Amen. Amen. Ye are yet in your sins. Do you realize if uh, the bones of Buddha are found, you can still be a good Buddhist? Yeah. If they find the bones of Buddha, you can still be a good Buddhist. You know, they have the bones of Muhammad, and you can still be a good Muslim. But if they ever find the bones of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it's all out the window. Amen. You can't be a good Christian, because it all hinges on the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You say, well, what about it, Brother Keegan, finding the bones of Jesus? Well, that's what they're trying to do. They're doing everything they can. They, every, every tomb over in Jerusalem they find that says Hosea or Jesus on it, they're digging it up. James Cameron, he did that. He found this tomb and there was a, a Joseph on the tomb and, and, and there was a Jesus there. And he goes, oh, this must be the body of Jesus. And they tried to do DNA testing. How do you do DNA testing on, on Jesus Christ when he had no relative? How do you do that? How do you prove the But he did all this DNA testing. Why did he go to all the trouble? To try to prove that this was the bones of Jesus Christ. Why did James Cameron go to all the trouble? He's not a Christian. He doesn't, he's an atheist. He doesn't believe in anything. Why would he go to all the trouble? He wants to get rid of Jesus Christ. Amen. He wants to get rid of Jesus Christ. You know what the truth is? Down deep in his heart, he knows that's who's going to judge him. If you can get rid of the judge, <laughs> then I don't have to stand before him. My friend, you're not going to find those bones. <laughs> you're not going to find those bones. And we, we're studying on the Jehovah's Witness, the false teachings of the Jehovah's Witness on Wednesday nights. And I encourage you, if you, don't, if you can get up here, come up here. We're, we're learning a lot about what the Word of God says. But we found out that they believe that the, Jesus Christ, He resurrected, but in a spirit body. He was like in a spirit body. And we found out in the Bible, Jesus Christ says, a spirit don't have flesh and bones. Touch me. Jesus Christ can be touched. He can touch you physically. Amen. He's alive forevermore. No resurrection, no sins forgiven. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1. So the importance of the resurrection is that you need Jesus Christ to come up so you can have your sins forgiven. Guys, you need your sins forgiven. But look at 1 Peter chapter 1. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. This is the fourth important fact about the resurrection. This is the fourth important fact about the resurrection. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The fourth important fact about the resurrection is this. The resurrection gives us a living hope, a lively hope, a hope that is alive. What does that mean, Brother Keegan? That means you're putting your hope and faith, you're not putting it in a dead thing. You're not putting it in a piece of wood. You're not putting it in a, a bunch of bones laying in a black box in the middle of Mecca. You're putting it in a living Savior named Jesus Christ. Amen. You have a lively hope. That's why we have a smile on our face. That's why we have joy. That's why we have happiness when we're going through trials. We go through trials. When my wife got up here and sang this song this morning, you've got to understand where she was at a month ago. We had prayed. She was going through a lot of physical problems, and we were praying, and she was asking me, and we were talking to the Lord, Lord, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this to her? Why are you doing this? 
And she come through that to sing a song about her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Guys, Christianity, receiving Jesus Christ is not going to promise you a bed of roses. <laughs> it's not going to promise that storms of life are not going to come. They're going to come. The illustration, the parable Jesus Christ gave of the storm, it came and there was a house built on the sand. And the house built on the sand, it fell when the storms came. But the house built on the rock, and that rock would be Jesus Christ. The house built on the rock, it stood when the storms came. Do you understand what Jesus is telling you? He's telling you that the storms of life are going to come. Christians are going to get cancer. Christians are going to have heart problems. Christians are going to have back problems. Christians are going to have financial problems. Christians are going to have emotional problems. Christians have all the same problems the world has. The difference is we built our house on a rock. And when you get around Christians that have their house built on a rock and know that their house is built on the rock, Jesus Christ, they have a smile on their face. They have some joy. They have some happiness going through cancer going through emotional problems, going through family problems, going through health problems. They have a smile. How can that be? It makes no sense. It doesn't. Well, how can that be? Jesus Christ. That's the only way I can explain it to you. You need to know Jesus Christ. Because once you receive Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit, and when I say spirit, that's a spiritual operation. That's nothing you can see with your eyes. When I talk about the Holy Spirit coming in in you and living in you, there's something spiritual that happens in your life that you can't explain to the normal person that doesn't know Jesus Christ. I can talk about this water and talk about how good this water is, but until you take a taste of it and drink it, you're never going to know how it quenches your thirst you got to taste Jesus Christ. Look at verse 4. To an inheritance, incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Oh, praise the Lord. When you receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, thanks to that resurrection, God's able to make you a res- reservation up in heaven. A reservation. That's like you go to these fancy restaurants and uh, some in in Brownwood, you can't get in. On Sunday, you can't get into a restaurant in Brownwood. Everywhere you go, you have to wait in line. And I think uh, me and and Ronnie and some other people, I think Joker was down there. I think we went into uh, Cotton Patch, Cotton Patch. But we went to Cotton Patch, and we were sitting around all around in a Cotton Patch. And uh, these people, I saw these people, they came in, and they walked up there, and they walked on in there. And we were already sitting around. We'd been sitting around like 10, 15, 20 minutes. Well, how do they do that? They must have had a reservation or something like that. That's what happens with God. You're waiting to get in. You're not going to get into heaven unless you have a reservation. But he's got it reserved in heaven for you. You see that? They said, well, well, Brother King, uh, I don't know if I can keep that reservation. Because I'm from number one, I don't know how to get there. I mean, I've heard of heaven, but I mean... Even if I was, my soul was to depart from my body when I take my last breath, I mean, which way do I go? How do I get there for this reservation? And I'm not for sure, Brother Keegan, I can keep that reservation. Right? Amen? That's the truth. Amen? You being honest? Look at the next verse. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. <laughs> You're not keeping that reservation, my friend. God is keeping it for you. You see that in verse 5? How are you kept? By your own power? Nope. By your own works? Nope. By the power of God. 
That's how you're kept. Praise the Lord. Thanks. All of this is thanks to, to the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ up from the grave. Let's look at one more, friend. Look at one more. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. I'm going to give you one more. One more important fact about the resurrection. We're closing. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. This is the fifth fact, important fact, about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I've shown you that the resurrection proves the deity of Jesus Christ. I've shown you that without the resurrection, your faith is in vain. I've shown you that if there's no resurrection, you're, you have no sins forgiven. I've shown you that the resurrection gives us a living hope, a, a lively hope. And last, I'm going to show you in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 is, without the belief in the resurrection, you can't be saved. That's how important it is. Look at verse 9. That, here's salvation, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. As a young Christian, I started looking into salvation. What happened when I received Jesus? Because when I walked down the aisle and received Jesus Christ, I didn't know where Genesis was. I don't think I could have found Revelation. It was, I mean, I was a mess. I just knew that there was a hell, that Jesus Christ had paid for my sins to get me out of hell, and that I needed to receive that free gift. And I just walked down the aisle, received that gift. Friends, my life has never been the same. Jesus Christ is the best thing ever happened to me. Period. I mean, period. Okay? So... I started studying through my Bible because I wanted to know what this was all about. So I started studying my Word of God, the Word of God. And what amazed me is when I got to verse 9 here in Romans chapter 10, it says that you've got to confess with thy mouth, but it also says you've got to believe in thine heart. That God has raised him from the dead. The importance that God put on the resurrection so much so that he says, you've got to believe that Jesus Christ rose from the grave. Amen. So I thought, man, that's, that's amazing. Well, why? Why would Jesus Christ, why is it so important that you need to believe that Jesus Christ rose from the grave? Well, look at verse 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So your heart believes that Jesus Christ rose from the grave, but believes that Jesus Christ is your Savior. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Why is it so important to confess it with your mouth? Because, friends, your mouth, your mouth shows where your heart's at. So to finish my point is, why is it so important for you to believe in the resurrection to be saved? And I meditated on this, and I prayed about this. Look at verse 13. I have it written up here if you don't want to look. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You've got to call on the name of Jesus Christ. You know why it's so important to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ to get saved? Because when you pray and you bow your head and you ask Jesus Christ to save you, you've got to believe that he's listening to you. He's not laying out in a grave like Muhammad or Buddha. That when you say, Jesus, I don't know, I understand everything, but I know I'm a sinner. And Lord, will, will you please save me? You're saying that with the mouth, believing that he can hear every word you're saying. Amen. That's why it's so important to believe in the resurrection. You've got to believe he's a living Savior, friend. Amen. You can't call on Jesus if he's laying in a grave. <laughs> You gotta call on Jesus because He's alive, can walk through these doors, can listen to everything you have to say. That's why you believe. There was a Muslim, he was trying to convert a Christian. Of course, that would never happen. 
But as he was trying to convert this Christian, this Muslim said, uh, you need to come to Islam, you need to come to Muhammad. And the Christian was getting tired of it, so the Christian turned to the Muslim and said, now listen to me, friend. I'm coming to a crossroads in life, and I come to this crossroads, and I don't know which way to go, which path's the path to take to get me to heaven. And as I come to these crossroads, at the crossroads there's two men there. And as I look at these men, one man is dead, and one man is alive. Now, friend, which one would you ask for directions is the right way? The one that's dead or the one that's alive? And the Muslim said, the one that's alive. And he turned to that Muslim and said, then why are you trying to send me to Muhammad who's dead when Jesus Christ is alive? You want the truth? Go to Jesus Christ. He's alive. See why I can get through the storms of my life is when I have storms in my life, I can go get in my closet and I can get down and I can shed these tears and I shed them to Jesus Christ. And he's listening to everything I'm saying. And he understands my heart. He understands my problems. And he pours out his love on me. Amen. That's why I know Jesus Christ is alive. I know he's alive because he's living in my heart today. Amen. See, salvation is... Is an incredible thing. And, you know, I was, I was preaching on the judgment and how we have a judgment coming and we need to get out of that judgment through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And, and I want to tell you this, uh, this illustration, this story, and it's based on a true story. And I want to close with this. There was a judge, and he was a real famous judge in this town, and uh, his best friend got caught. And they brought him up before this judge, and this judge sat about there. So everybody in town knew that this judge and this guy were really, really good friends. Now, this happened at the, at the turn of the last century. And they all knew that they were really good friends, so the courtroom got full. Because a lot of people didn't like this judge because he was so hard. He was so righteous. He never would let anybody get by. But they said, here's his best friend. What's he going to do with his best friend? They're so close. They're best friends. What's he going to do? So they all crowded in this courtroom to see what the judge, how the judge was going to sentence his best friend. His best friend came up to him and everybody's sitting around watching. And the judge says, you've done this, that, and another. And it's a $500 fine. And he took the gavel and he slammed the gavel down. And he fined his friend $500. Now, $500 back then, friend, was a lot of money. I mean, a lot of money. And everybody in the courtroom was just aghast. They couldn't believe that this judge done that. And what the judge did was he stood up, he stepped back, he took off his robe, his judge's robe, he walked around the front, he pulled out his wallet, he counted out $500, he laid it down right there, he put his arm around his best friend, he said, now I've paid your fine, let's go to lunch. (laughs) You realize that's what God did? You've got a fine, friend. And God's a righteous God. And he's going to bring the gavel down on you. But he took off the form of himself and put himself in the form of Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh, and came down and paid for your sins. I was telling this illustration to somebody. They gave me a quizzical look, and they said, well, why would the judge do that? Why would God do that? Love. Love is what makes a man do something like that. Everything that judge did was legal. Amen. Amen. He just paid the fine. God wants to pay your fine. And he did at the cross of Calvary. But you've got to receive it. I like it when he says, now let's go to lunch. You know why I like that so much? Because we just read in 1 Peter chapter 1. What did we read? He's got a reservation for you. And I could hear that judge saying, let's go to lunch. I've already got a reservation made. I've already got the reservation made. 
and I'll take you there. But you've got to receive it. Man, I preach this, and I preach this, and I witness, and I witness, and I witness, and it's right there laying for somebody just to take the payment. All they got to do is take it. God's love is right there at the cross of Calvary, and they turn their back and reject it. And I think a lot of times they're afraid that if they take that payment, they're going to have to start living for Jesus Christ. And they're going to have to start calling Jesus Christ Lord. And they're going to have to start living a different life. Friend, you might be living a different life right now, but it's not, it's not bringing you as much joy as you think. There's pleasure in sin for a season. And then it dries up. I'm speaking from experience. As experience of not being a Christian and experience of being a Christian, living off in the world, not doing what the Lord wants me to do, and being a prodigal son and not doing what the Lord wants me to do and not being so miserable. And now trying to do what I'm trying to do for the Lord. I'm not a very good Christian. I'm not trying to fool you, but I'm just trying to do something for the Lord, and I'm so much more happy. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know, a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now, you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me. And he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now, we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him.